you call yourself a maker? You smell like failure and corn chips. Drop and give me 45 minutes. This is not your grandparents' tinker toys, it's the Creators Collective. Listen up and don't give me that face. Right, Herbert Holtz and Walker are about to demonstrate the proper way to create. And if you got questions, you had better be in the live chat. Otherwise, I am going to plant my boots so far up your hiney that your mother is going to be crying. Now listen up, jelly pasty cow pies. And we're back for another exciting episode of the Creators Collective. And this is going to be a truly interesting one. As uh, Will is not with us today, uh, he is out on a boat um, on vacation. And would uh, not deign to bow himself down to being on our podcast today. That and cell service out in the water isn't as uh, as good. So, <laughs> and on top of that, this is an auspicious occasion because our very own ZH Fabrications just hit one hundred thousand subscribers. I did hundred thousand subscribers uh, yesterday. That was pretty, awesome, man. Pretty amazing. Now I can I can retire. I'm done. I quit everything. <laughs> just gonna live off the royalties. I was thinking about it. I started following you back when you were like 5,000 subscribers. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty strange. I feel like that's like, at least for me, I'm like, that's that's kind of like the only reasonable number that like I've been waiting to hit. Because I feel like from then on, it's like what, like the next, the next like milestones, like what, half a million or a million. Yeah. <laughs> like that's probably never going to happen. So as far as I'm concerned, like I can... Not that I've ever really had a huge emphasis on my numbers, but like I feel like I've I've made it. I'm like yeah, you've you had know. really steady growth the last year or so. Just uh, it hasn't been fast. So like the first steady. year I started, it was like explosive growth. It was really really big, really fast. And then especially with that sconce. Yeah, and then and then my projects actually. I I feel like as soon as my projects started getting more like I don't want to say advanced, but like less beginner friendly. My growth really, it went from like exponential growth to just like slow and steady. And I've been slow and steady for the past year. But I, myself, I'm happier doing those, those uh, more demanding projects than I, and when I started, I was a beginner, so I was doing beginner projects. Um, So yeah. Yeah, You're you're not a beginner project channel. No. Well, my old stuff is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think I have a video of me making like, coasters like out of popsicle sticks and hot glue so you know there's there's certainly some beginner stuff on there but uh yeah it's just i mean i'm fortunate enough i guess to be to the point to where i can pretty much whatever whatever i'm inspired to build that's what i build so that that keeps it fun for me even though it's not necessarily the best recipe for uh social media success but uh yeah, and, and also thanks to everybody that I noticed so like the day before a, a picture of my uh, YouTube at like ninety nine seven yeah. point seven, and then like a couple hours later, like Jimmy Duresta, Paul Jackman, all these all these heavy hitters like reposted my stuff, and uh, John Malecki, everybody on their Instagram. So shout out to everybody who who further uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Push you over the promote. top. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that was, I, I think, a big uh, catalyst for that was also the new video that I put out. I, I put out a, uh, believe it or not, everybody, I put out a video that has epoxy in it, but it's not a table. <laughs> not a table. Uh, stabilized wood and epoxy file handles. Yeah, river river handles. River handles. I should have done that. <laughs> epoxy river tool handles. That would have been a better 
but uh, the video is doing really well and i honestly think it's just because it has the word epoxy in it which is kind of kind of cringe at that but <laughs> yeah, they're really uh really sweet handles I, I, was, Thanks. I was drooling over those myself yeah thank you yeah well uh, what else you got going on i think that's pretty much it i've kind of I, i'm i'm kind of uh just taking a break for a week um how's that engraving it, and uh chasing it's thing? hard it is really really hard it's frustratingly hard like i'm pretty patient when i'm learning new stuff because i'm always excited about it and I can only spend like 10 minutes at a time because I just get the, the frustration builds up and I don't want to, like, <laughs> I don't want to let it get to me. So um, have you gotten into magnification yet? No, it looks bad enough without magnifying it. So that's, no, that's always the, th the thing with it is you, every time you think you're, oh, it's starting to look good. Then you get into magnification. It's like, oh, no, it, looks, it looks terrible without magnification. So that's never going to happen. Um, so that, you know, I can do lines and stuff. So half of it is just, so I forged a, you know what's weird too is they call them like because you type in engraving or like engravers and you get like the you know the electric ones yeah so but if you type in gravers without yeah. the en i don't know what the n signifies but like I, apparently they're just known as gravers which yeah, is weird because cool. i've never heard of that before until recently um anyway so there's a lot of i'm learning a lot because there's a lot that a lot of geometry like you have to have the geometry just right on everything the angles otherwise i didn't realize that you have to have like a heel like a 15 yeah. degree heel on the bottom of the thing otherwise you're just Diving digging in, in. so it, it's it's one of those things that you certainly just have to learn by doing and failing and doing and failing and doing and failing and i'm learning but uh yeah it's certainly tricky um the issue i have is trying to do circles i feel like that's the hardest thing to chisel because <laughs> I mean, when you when you hit something with a hammer, it goes in a straight line for a very small distance. And trying to trying to make a circle by doing that, it's it's very difficult. It's really easy because yeah. if you hit too hard once, then you'll go a little bit outside of the circle. Or if you hit too soft, you'll start going moving on the inside of the circle. And unfortunately, people are like I feel like the thing that human beings are best at is spotting imperfect circles like that's our best that's our the thing that human beings are the best at so you screw it up like one or two hits and it is just yeah. is it glaringly obvious is that the right word yeah I, I can do i can do spirals or you know um, french curves and that type of thing but a circle or a straight line just is so obvious that there's problems yeah it's it's really it's really tricky so i'm getting better but it's i can only i can only uh go about 10 minutes at a time before i say okay that's enough i need to reconcile and come back later <laughs> but i've i've been really like been really lazy this past week i don't know if it's because like i mean there's it's not really a better term i usually try and find some, back for a little while <laughs> yeah i usually try and find some sort of like better word to describe it but there's no excuse i have been lazy i put out my video and it's i think part of it is because it's still like 100 degrees every day here it's like 90, it's been like 95, 96 degrees here. It's almost October. Uh, I'm sick. I'm sick of working in the heat. I can't take it mentally anymore. I need to just, I mean, seriously, physically, like I can do it. I just mentally, I don't want, it's so hard for me to, to get out there. And especially since I'm excited about forging stuff, like that's what I want to do. I want to go out there and fire up yeah. a forge and, and the heat. Uh, yeah. And, and I just, I can't, I can't 
I mentally can't bring myself to do it anymore. It's and then still... there's there's me. I've got a race this weekend, and uh, it's looking like uh, 35 degrees overnight. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that any I just need a break from from the heat. It's it's really bad. Um, hopefully, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll get back down into the 80s. And at night it's been like <laughs> it's been 80s. like 78, <laughs> 79 degrees is as cool as it's been getting at night. Oh, yeah. It's just like no, like our house. Uh, the other day, like our house was at 77 degrees because our AC can't keep up with the heat outside. And it's almost October. So anyway, uh, stop ranting. But if the water uh, outside is liquid. It's too hot for me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so just kind of been taking a light week. Uh, I think I'm going to start planning some stuff. So I have some good news. I'm working with uh, uh, Chili Forge. Uh, oh, cool. Anybody in the blacksmithing community is probably familiar with them. They make... Uh, I did my research and there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of other good manufacturers out there, but, uh, from my own opinion, after looking into the stuff, I think they make, I think that the, the forges they make are best suited for the work that I plan on doing. So I should be getting one of those next week. And then, um, yeah, I'm going to got a few hammers. I'm going to forge, hopefully forge next week. And, uh, just kind of take, taking a taking a light week and planning things out for the future. So, yeah. What about John you? K in the chat says the human species will not be remembered for creating tall buildings or curing diseases or going to the moon. It'll be remembered for hating imperfect circles. It's true. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for me, I've actually been um, I, I finished up the turning saw, uh, which has been the live video series I've done for the last uh, two months or so. I've been actually making the turning saw and detailing every step live so you can actually go through and follow it. And this week I did the carving on it. So a little bit of like a, a tiny little Celtic weave and, and Trinity. And then I did uh, a scroll on the end. So like what you see on violin um, scrolls, I did a very small one on the ends of the two arms where the uh, where the cord attaches. And so that was kind of fun to, to do a couple of those live. And it's it's so much easier than than people look at it because most people look at it and think, wow, that's a lot of detail. But on those small ones, they literally take five minutes or less to do, and it's just a couple quick steps and it's done. Once you oh. understand the geometry of it, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's a lot easier than it looks. Hmm. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I put out a video on uh, comparing uh, freehand dovetail cutting to uh, cutting with uh, guides. And I think I talked about that last week. Um, and I started up quite the debate on there. It was, uh, oh. it was like hitting a, a wasp's nest with a baseball bat. It was. What, it was what's your What was your conclusion? Oh, my conclusion was they're they're both great. Uh, if you if you're starting out, a dovetail guide is actually kind of like training wheels mm -hmm. because you still have to move the saw. It just it helps you keep that nice straight line, and so it helps your hand learn where the nice straight line is. Um, but once you get going, it's just a little faster not to, not to need it. But uh, it does still ensure really nice tight clean joints so even if there's a time where you're really worried about it and you want them to be absolutely perfect then that's a, a great way to go so hmm. i'm for it but i don't use it <laughs> but then there's a lot of people out there they're like oh no don't use it you're not doing hand cut dovetails if you use a guide and there's other people like oh i would never use it freehand because i can never get a straight line and uh, there's a a balance there not to bring nike into this but just do it who cares how you do it just do it <laughs> I don't want to get all political. Isn't that sad that like you can't say anything without being political now? I'm not even trying to be political. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's 
try not to get like too much pride involved with how you do things. Just do what you want to do because nobody else cares. <laughs> like you, you are probably the only person that cares whether you used a jig or not to do something. Nobody else cares. I don't mean that negative. I mean that in like the most positive way possible. Yeah. So it's like we have some questions today. We do have questions. We have several of them actually. Uh, let's see. Gizankt. <laughs> I like that name. So, so I'm trying to remove uh, I'm trying to remove drawer bottoms from an old drawer, and I'm assuming it's high glue based um, on the crackle pattern. Can I break this glue joint with just using heat, or should I wet it too? Have you ever done any restoration glue nope. removal? Nope. I I have turned away a lot of restoration. The idea of the idea of like resurfacing any something else is it's like the. Uh, it's like the worst part of any job, I would think, and I just don't want to do. It. So no, I've been offered and 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 never never taken anybody up on that. Uh, I kind of enjoy it. I like seeing the life come back into things. Uh, yeah, different strokes, but yeah, the glue removal um, with high glue. If it is a traditional high glue, you can simply heat it up, um, but it takes a lot of heat. You got to get it up to around uh, two hundred degrees or so. Um, for that to really break loose. Uh, now, if you add a little bit of moisture to it, uh, you can heat it up to 130 or so, and it will break loose. So it's a lot easier to do that. Uh, but you have to be careful of how much moisture because then you might start distorting the wood. Um, what I like to do is actually use a syringe and inject the joint with a tiny bit of moisture, just a bead running along it, and then heat it up with a heat gun and most of the time I can, I can get loose with that. The problem is if it's a big drawer, if you're heating up one area and you get back around to the other area, then the first area cools off by the time it comes loose. Um, and so there's a little bit of wiggling back and forth with that. But if you can break one area loose um, and, and keep it moving while you're breaking the other area loose, then you can, you can slide the whole piece out eventually. But yes, it, it ends up taking far more heat than you expect. And it is they say high glue is reversible and it is, but it, it, it takes a lot of work to do it. Uh, now, if it is PVA, um, you can reverse PVA as well, um, just using moisture and you have to use uh, a decent amount of moisture and you have to let it sit for a while. Uh, so it has to soak into the wood and the same method works for high glue as well. You have to let the, the PVA or high glue absorb the, uh, the moisture and if you if you keep it on there for long enough, and it's usually like six to twelve hours, suddenly it just pops loose. Um, but yeah, uh, we had another question from Sean Struggs, Sturgus, Sturgus, Stogs, Smith. Sorry, Sean <laughs> Sturgis. I'm guessing it's Sturgis. Sturgis. Spelled like Sturgis. It sounds better. It sounds better than. What is your scariest moment in the shop? That's a tough. That's hard. That's that's an easy one for me. Um, it was back when I was twelve. Um, and I was doing something on one side of the shop and my dad was doing something on the other side of the shop. And suddenly the, the wood work that my dad was doing, he was running a router at a, he was running a router table and suddenly the woodwork sounded odd. And then the router shut off and my dad went, <laughs> and, uh, he had slipped and hit his hand on the, uh, on the, the router and actually took a large chunk out of his finger. Um, and uh yeah and that's why i do hand tools <laughs> no it was just one of those those moments and i was young and informative and it has uh it has stuck with my brain since then but i really haven't had much of any other i mean a few nicks and scrapes and slices but uh nothing quite like that 
I don't, yeah, I, I can't really think of any like truly like scary, like there's some startling moments. Like I'm always, I'm always on like high alert whenever I'm using my table saw mm-hmm. and like unscary things can happen. And I'm still like, Oh, what happened? Yeah. Or I, but like just, there's just the normal stupid stuff. Like I, my belt grinder, like that thing is, it doesn't usually hurt, but man, you can really like take pieces of your body off oh i hit my hand with a one of those knot cups that you put on like the angle grinders the other day mm-hmm. i don't know i can't really think of any like truly scary i think actually maybe maybe one of the scariest ones is just like having like grinding and having like something hit my eye ah. and just going like it didn't hurt but i'm like shit <laughs> like so and it, it fortunately nothing happened but like going tell you what go like if you've ever fortunately nothing was in my eye, but I still like a day or two later, I could feel it. I didn't know if there was something in there or not. So I went to the optometrist and, mm. um, scratch the cornea. Yeah, it was just a scratch. It wasn't a big deal, but let me tell you, like the first thing they do is they sit you down and then they take this big, terrifying torture device looking thing, probe your eye, <laughs> put it like right in your face. And then they like the, guy takes his hands and pulls your eyelids apart and there's this like super bright light and it's just terrifying. I mean, it looks horrific. <laughs> I was, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a thing about like things touching my eyes. It dry. I can't do it. It's just uh-uh. like, I can't even take eye drops. I have to like drop them in the corner of my eye and let them run over. So Tell me about just it. the thought of actually having like that was bad enough. That was terrifying. I could only imagine having to do that and then have them take sharp tools to my eyeball. Like I would feel like they'd have to gas me or something. When I, when I was just... 12, I had a needle puncture my eye and uh, I ended up having to have five stitches on my eye. Did they drug you? Like I would say you're going to have to put me out for that because there's no way. Like my reflexes, like I, I could not, I couldn't, they'd have to strap me down. There's no way. It was way not an that. enjoyable experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's no way. So I guess, I guess that's, even though fortunately it didn't turn out bad, um, that's the, I think that's one of the scariest things is having eye damage. So. Cool. I should probably up my my safety glasses. Let's game. let's move on to a different topic then. <laughs> yes, let's do that. I like that idea. Where do you find inspiration now after everything you have done already? The duck. Hmm. And if anyone doesn't know, the duck is one of our our avid listeners. So thank you for that. Where is your your greatest current source of inspiration? I think for me, it always changes. Um, I, I feel like I would have I, like hundreds of years ago, I would have been an explorer. Like I get bored in the same thing like doing the same thing i want to i want to explore and try new find new territory and i feel like the learning is like learning and developing new skills for me is the most exciting like being able to it's like resume building although that that sounds bad when i put it like (laughs) that but uh yeah i don't know i think you know inspiration for me is just seeing something going oh man that'd be so cool if i knew how to do that or that's interesting. How does this work? I think that's the same for me. Is I'm I'm I am inspired by what I do not know. Uh, so I, I'm regularly looking for things that intrigue me. As in, um, I'd like to play with that. And this actually feeds into the the next question we have from uh, JW Craftsman. Uh, what's a medium or combination of mediums that you would like to work with that you haven't yet because of lack of tools, accessibility, etc. Uh, I, I think that that feeds very well into the inspiration idea because one of the things I, I want to do is stone carving. Um, I, you know, I've done some some 
metal chasing and engraving. I've done wood carving. And all of those kind of feed into stone carving. But in stone carving, rather than removing a chip or a curl like you would with stone or wood, there you actually blast it out. And so you're actually compressing the rock so that the rock fractures as opposed to curling it out. And it's a slightly different mindset. And so that really intrigues me to see, you know, can I take the skills that I've learned from engraving and carving and take them into stonework? Uh, so one of these days, I really want to do a piece that has all three in one. So it has stone carving, wood carving, and engraving. And uh, that that idea inspires me. And so I've got this idea rolling through the back of my head of how can I work this into different furniture and different applications. And someday that idea in the back of my brain will pop out in form of hmm. some art piece. But uh, that that's, I, I think, in a nutshell, how my inspiration works. What about you? What What intrigues you? Um, you know, something that's kind of been like on my to-do list and I haven't made the slightest or effort to, to learn it yet is uh, stained glass. I feel uh, like that would be really cool. And it's just that you don't see much of it anymore. I mean, it's, it's certainly out there, but that would be something that would be super cool to be able to work into other mediums. I mean, you know, other, yeah. you know, furniture or, you know, whatever you just don't, you don't see it. So I feel like it would be, that's a perfect opportunity to figure out how to combine that into everything else, whether it's, you know, metal work or whatever. That's been you gone know. from the scene enough. It's probably retro enough to be uh, cool again. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe someday. I used to do that uh, growing up. My parents actually still have a bunch of stained glass tools. Hmm. I don't know how much you need for it. I know uh, uh, Tom Ferrone from Dream Shop Works does, does a, a bit of that. It's kind of like any other skill. You don't need much, but you want a lot. <laughs> cool. Um, I think that about does it for our questions. If you have any question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send it to one of us through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever way you'd like to contact us. Um, also, if you want to join us live each Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 Eastern, uh, you can join us in the live chat. And that's where most of our questions come from. So thank you for all those of you in the live chat. You help making this a lot of fun. Uh, we're not going to do the creator's photo challenge this week because Will is not with us. So we're going to bump that off to uh, next week. So you have one more week to get in your freestyle picture. And what There's you have to do ones. is... What's that? Some good ones up there already. Yeah, there are some. And I was, I was looking through it last night. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of cool. Gave me a couple ideas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so it's, it's freestyle. Whatever you want, um, try and integrate some of the things that we've talked about uh, recently with uh, leading lines or lighting or other items that make it cool and interesting. And we will, we will judge you next time. Uh, we have a joke of the week that was just submitted to us live by uh, the Carbonite Gamorian. I love that name. Uh, what, uh, what do you call a sleeping bulldog? A bulldozer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that that one is actually kind of good and i i think it, it's it's on the edge of being too good for the podcast <laughs> it's pretty stupid <laughs> we'll, we'll let it we'll let it slide <clears throat> cool um well what are you watching what it's uh what's been inspiring you recently so i have kind of a weird one i guess uh i guess it's not that weird but um there there's a guy uh so i order some of my like belt grinding, knife making supply stuff. I order a lot of that through a company called True Grit. It's out mm -hmm. of uh, Canada, or I mean, California, I'm sorry. Um, and the guy that runs a shop back there, 
His name is Jeff Mutz. And he doesn't, so I, I feel like just over the phone, every time I end up transferred back there talking to the guy, like I end up talking to him for like 20 minutes and I pick his brain on everything. And he's one of the nicest guys I've ever talked to. And he, he knows like everything, any question I have, any, anything like he's happy to help. So, uh, I, I talked to him the other day and got his Instagram and it's just J Mutz, J M U T Z. And I told him, I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to give you a shout out. Cause you're just an awesome guy. So, uh, if you guys are into knives, he's a good guy to have on file. Um, just cause he, I mean, he, he's, he knows so much he works. He works for a huge knife uh, supply company. He can tell you about every product made, what his favorites are. Uh, that's one of the toughest things, I think, when you're starting out is that there's, and not just in like knife making, thing, but in anything in general, there's so many different approaches. I mean, there's, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, knife sharpening. We'll just talk about that aspect. So, you know, a two by 72 belt, there are probably... 150 different belts that you can pick you know they have 36 grit 40 grit 60 grit 80 grit 120 180 220 and then they have all of those in aluminum oxide silicon carbide uh, ceramic all these different types of abrasives and then they make all of those in different weight you have j weight x weight and every single one of them behaves totally differently some people use certain grits some people skip certain grits there's you know so you can literally i feel like there's no two people in the world that do the same thing like yes. there's so many there's so many variables to get from a to b that nobody does it the same way so you know you can get online and and watch videos and go to forums and as soon as you find something you like you'll find something that looks better and it's totally different so uh Talking to this guy, it's really nice because, I mean, he he has direct access to all of these things. He's tried all of them, and he's happy to share his knowledge. So if I can talk to somebody who's good and just say, hey, like, I just want to steal everything that you've spent 20 years learning. Can you just tell me, like, what the, what's the best way to do it? <laughs> so... Um, so anyway, if you guys are if you if you guys are interested in that sort of stuff, um, give him a follow. He said he's gonna start posting more of his his work on his Instagram. Just cool. a good dude. Let's so, look him up at J Mutz M U on Instagram. Cool. Uh, for me, I actually just came across a uh, a channel on YouTube. R Humphrey. Uh, he did a Celtic Bowl a while ago, um, and it was an epoxy fill celtic weave carving bowl that just really caught my attention um, he took the bowl blank and in the bottom of it he used a router and cut in like an inch inch and a half deep celtic weave um, and then filled that celtic weave with epoxy so that when he then put it on the lathe and turned the bowl the celtic weave you could see clear through the bottom and so the, the weave in the bottom was the the clear epoxy in the bottom of the bowl did it go all the way through the bowl? Yeah, yeah, all the way through the bottom. That's that's cool because you you only ever see it where they like you know they'll still have some wood underneath it and it's just like a channel for the epoxy. But having it actually like yeah. completely that's pretty cool. That's a good idea that I have. And uh, then on top of that, he he undercut the inside of the bowl so the mouth of the bowl is is smaller than the inside of the bowl and created a flat rim all the way around the the top outside and then on that flat rim. It engraved a uh, um, a Celtic weave. He burnt that into the the top of it, and the combination of the the burning and the clear epoxy underneath just really it's a uh, it was a fascinating bowl. Something slightly different than anything I've seen before, and uh, very intriguing. So definitely worth taking a look at. 
Somebody just asked me if I've ever thought about trying to do a tavern puzzle, which I had never heard of, and I just Googled it. And You've thought, never done tavern puzzles? Never even heard of them before. Also known as blacksmith puzzles? Huh. No. Yeah, hmm. you should. They're a lot of fun. I'm looking at them. So do they actually like... I've never made one. They're a lot of they, fun to play they with. Look, they look like puzzles where you like kind of shape challenges where you try and like... Yeah. How to, it's almost impossible to explain. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, are they like active? Do you actually try and like... Yeah, they're the, they're usually trying they, to take them apart so and pull a piece solvable. out of it or... Yeah. Okay. Huh. I'll have to look into that. Looks like it'd be really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them, you have to you have to shape them ever so perfectly, slightly, just to allow a, the slight movement that needs. Hmm. So they're, they, I'm sure they'd be tricky to make. Huh? Yeah, looks looks interesting for to delve in. <laughs> well, uh, what's your your favorite tool of the week? Oh, I'm gonna go with the uh, so that little vacuum kit that I got for for my wood stabilizing stuff that I used on that video <laughs> um, from Best Value Vax is where I got it. Are you oh, okay? Okay. So yeah, it's if you guys watched that recent video that I put out on the wood stabilizing, um, literally rotten spalted oak that's been sitting in my backyard forever. Super soft and worthless. And uh, anyway, so I bake it and stabilize it, and then uh, yeah. So that's the kit that I use. It's just a vacuum pump and a chamber. So that's that's my a lot pick. of fun. I actually just made a new chamber for my vacuum pump this week. Because I needed to do longer handles. So what do you wanna... What are you making? Um, uh, the handles for uh, mallets. Oh, cool. Uh, so I had some that I just wanted to. I was actually experimenting with difference between using um, uh, penetrating epoxy and using a cactus juice. So that was kind of a see that. See, this could be like the next glue test. I feel like <laughs> I feel like if you did like mallet hammerhead, you know, I feel like it would be. I feel like that would be a good thing to do <laughs> for lack of a yeah um is it adds a ton of density and it yeah. just stuff together i mean you see like a lot of the old mallets that where the end grain starts splitting on the end i feel like the stabilizing stuff would help for that yeah It'd give it some more mass plus you can use some of the really cool spalted stuff that you probably don't want to use for regular mallet yeah cool <laughs> Well, my uh, my tool of the week is an old-fashioned oil can. You know, those little ones with the pump oh, button yeah. on the bottom. Um, I, I, I use three-in-one oil all throughout the shop on all my, my hand tools and name moving part and little bits here and there. But I just always feel bad with that little plastic bottle of three-in-one oil. Um, so so I, I dump it out of that and do an old oil can. And I feel so much better about myself. So, so I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but like I have the, I think the three-in-one and it has like this new new and improved tip that defies gravity or whatever. Here's the catch. It only works when the thing is pointing up. Isn't that the it's like the it solves it it, it attempts to solve a problem and it creates a way worse one. Huh. So like So it's like a straw going down to the bottom of the container. I, if I turn it like to where you would with any other container to where you actually want to drip out of the tip of it. It doesn't, it doesn't work. The only, so I have to like have it pointing up, squeeze it until stuff comes out the top and then flip it over. It's the dumbest. <laughs> it's the worst. It, it's, it's terrible. Is that, am I doing a good job of explaining that? Sounds like it. Yeah. So like, yeah, you can't, you, the way you would normally use any other, uh, you know, liquid applicator 
known to man it doesn't work that way you have to like drip it down <laughs> on itself and then turn it over it's terrible yeah anyway. joe pierce uh, just brought up in the chat one of the other reasons why i like the old cans is that they don't tip over they they just sit on your bench because all the weight is at the bottom and it's got a big flat r- surface on the bottom huh. yeah and so even if they do tip over it's the the way that they're designed they don't leak so it's a just a cool system and you, it, it feels good what about the like the ones that the cans that had like the spout off to the side, like the little thumb pump? Yeah, with the little thumb pump. Yeah, those are too big for what I because like that that tiny little canister because mine is like uh, inch and a half in diameter by like three quarter inch tall, and that amount of oil lasts me for a year or two. Huh. So I, I don't I don't need a big can. Oh, I just found it. It's called a spout oiler. Same company make, but yeah, that <laughs> does hold one necessary. So I, I have like three ounces in mine. If that. I just added that the same one shopping. Cool. Well, I think that about does it for this week. This has been uh, surprisingly good. We might have to uh, kick Will out more often. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you like the uh, the shorter content. We're not wasting as much of your week this week as normal. And if you do or don't like it, let us know. Also, if you want to join us live, you can do that each Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You can go to YouTube at the creators collective channel and join us there we are looking forward to uh to seeing you and i do want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on patreon uh, particularly to darren mates caleb harris of you can make this too and john from john made it you're helping make this channel better so thank you for that i think that about does it until next time have a wonderful day see you later guys thanks again for listening to the creators collective we publish weekly on thursdays in itunes stitcher and google play You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.